Hey, Rishi. I'm going to start with my bit, which is that this is Mac from Capstream. Um, we do mobile attribution, mobile growth, rocket fuel for mobile apps. And here we have Rishi, and he's going to tell us about what he does. Yeah, how you doing, Mac? Uh, I'm Rishi Mandel. I'm the CEO of a company called Soch, based in SF. And Soch is like a personal concierge for your social life. So you flip open your phone, browse through your options, push a button, and go do something incredible out in the real world, anything from a dinner to a wine tasting or a show, et cetera, et cetera. Um, anytime you're bored, push a button, do something fun. That's what we do. Dude, push a button for fun is a great pitch. <laughs> Yeah, there should be more of that in people's lives, and it's just kind of a pain in the butt to discover cool things, plan, coordinate logistics, book, order, pay, so on and so forth, and we literally collapse all of that into one button. So that's actually really, I mean, let's be honest, there's lots and lots of people who've tried to tackle the problem that you're tackling. I can think of a couple local companies here in Vancouver. Um, they yeah. don't have any of the traction or success that you guys have. So I want to do two things. First, I want you to talk about everything that you just said is in that button. You can find the events. You can coordinate with friends. You can pay. That seems like now this is an acute little curator app. This is There's some, like, heavy lifting in sort of technology and infrastructure and API integration or something that you're doing to coordinate all those pieces. So talk briefly yeah. about, like, more of that experience and then also about how you guys manage to make this work. You've got a bunch of money behind you. I assume you've got great traction. You've got good friends. Sure. Uh, how'd you guys do that? <laughs> um, great. Yeah, no, good questions. Let's jump into it. So um, just a little bit about kind of where Soch is in that whole journey. So, um, you know, we've raised uh, north of $15 million in venture capital from a lot of the smartest people we can find. We are now in five cities, San Francisco, New York, D.C., Chicago, and Seattle, and uh, and we've achieved incredibly high penetration in terms of users in those cities. So um, believe it or not, one in three adults in San Francisco is a social member, one in eight in Manhattan, um, one in 10 in Seattle, D.C., and Chicago. So a lot of people use it, and uh, and the regularity is incredibly high. So people, majority of these people are using it constantly, and the reason is not necessarily because of what we've built, but because great products have strong mental models. And the mental model we'll, we're building around is this question that people have, which is, hey, what should we do? And no matter who you are, how old you are, where you're from, so on and so forth, every single person instinctually has that question of, hey, it's the weekend, what do you want to do? Or, you know, mom's in town, what should we do? That question of what should we do is instinctual to people, and there's no actual um, one single place to go and answer that question on its face. Once you know you want to have dinner and you want to have uh, – Italian food in the mission, then you might have some tools at your disposal, but at that high, high level of like, what should we do? There's nothing. So what Soch does is, uh, like you said, we integrate at many, many levels from discovery of what are all the greatest things in the city, and we curate those things, to um, planning. We provide planning tools, booking. We integrate directly with merchant partners to actually um, handle bookings. Um, actually, we do things like ordering. So when you flip through Soch, very simply what happens is restaurants hold the table for Soch every night. Um, and in San Francisco, it's, say, a dozen to 20 of the best restaurants in the city hold multiple tables every single night for Soch. And uh, and when you're browsing through your options and you kind of double tap to book, um, you're not only booking your table, but you're also uh, getting the best version of the menu that uh, the chef thinks they offer there, meaning it could, could be like a tasting menu or a little burgers and burgundy kind of 
uh, creative menu. And so by booking, um, you've actually booked your table. By the time you walk in, your food is already ordered. Um, your payment happens through your phone. And a lot of those logistics melt away so that instead you can focus on the people you're with, the experience you're having. Um, it's actually kind of a cool exercise in how can you use technology to make people more present in the real world. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 and it speaks to an interesting idea that has come up in this podcast before, and that is right now this phone is this really awkward window. Like our children are going to laugh at us walking around with our phones out and our necks bent down. And <laughs> yeah. you take right, like it's, 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 it's. I mean, we all think we're like living in the future, and it's so cool. I can, I can Uber or whatever. But the the future is going to laugh pretty hard at what we're calling um, connectedness and what we're calling plugged in. So if you're taking yes, care of all sorts of things like payment, et cetera, and all of those experiences are happening in the background while I'm just enjoying the company that I'm with, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty exciting. And that, that removes the phone and the technology from an active verb of something that somebody needs to do and puts it into the background where it simply facilitates the human relationship. <clears throat> Yeah, you're actually you're absolutely right. And while the phone is eventually kind of a laughable rectangular sort of window into technology, and that is a weird separation in the future, it did do one important thing, which it turned the paradigm from interacting with technology as these discrete periods in your life where you're online and then offline and sort of blended the two where there's a fluidity, right? And so the Soch uh, app, for example, you flip through, you tap a couple of times, now you've booked a table. Um, if your table is within the next hour or two, you get a little ping that says, hey, do you want me to send you a car? And you say yes. You don't need to enter any location or anything like that. It sends you a car from where you're standing to where your destination is because all of that is known. Um, so in a few quick taps, you not only have a table booked, uh, your friend knows about it, and the car is coming. Then you put your phone away, right? And about... 15 minutes before your reservation, as you're kind of uh, walking up or about to have your meal or whatever, you get a ping from Sosha that says, hey, here's some cool insider tips. And did you know that this chef is famous because X, Y, and Z, you know, or this used to be an old apothecary building? Um, and whatever the little tidbits are that are going to make you really, really excited about the experience you're about to have, we just kind of pop those onto you about 15 minutes before, probably while you're in the car, you know, like utilize that time in a better way. So by the time you walk in and show up, now what's happening is the host at the restaurant actually uses the social iPad app. And that app, for the very first time, this is going to sound really rudimentary to us in tech, but for the very first time, a host in a restaurant not only sees your name, party size, time, they see your photo. As a social member, 100% of our users, we know their photo, we know their interests, we know their habits, and we share little bits and pieces of the, that information with the host at a restaurant. And it's this remarkable experience where you walk in the door they look you in the eye and say, Rishi, welcome, come on in, you know, and that uh, that fluidity of technology where it just peeks in when the host glances at their iPad or it peeks in when we send you a little insider tip, all of that amounts to actually less aggregate time spent staring at your phone uh, and more time being informed about the experiences you're having. And so then you might ask a really probing question about the food or the drinks you're having or whatever, you know, experience you're experiencing because you have more context or you might remember them better or actually spend more time talking to your server and learning about them instead of just doing business with them. Uh, and so, yeah, the phone itself, the form factor will change, it'll disappear, it'll get embedded, who knows what will happen. But it did give us this opportunity 
to start to take advantage of the fluidity of kind of your online and offline life as they weave kind of together. Does that make sense too? Totally. Often talk about the idea that the term cyberspace is dead because cyberspace was this destination where you went to do things online. You went to your computer, you dialed in on the internet, and you were online. And we now live in a moment, as you say, with the phones everywhere, with the ability to create and consume data in real time constantly, where cyberspace is now an antiquated term because at least if you're living in San Francisco in 2015, you're online and offline all the time, every time. Right, and that's the important part, which is you're not. Doesn't mean you're online all the time. It doesn't mean you're offline all the time. It means they're they're less concrete concepts. Yeah, the wall has come down now. Now instead of saying I'm in Mongolia or in China, you're just in Northeast Asia. <laughs> um. So so growth is really hard when you're building a mobile app. Um. Growth on a two-sided marketplace where you have consumers and restaurants and then maybe some other integration things like you've got cars coming with Uber, you've got payments coming. So that part's really hard. And then to be honest, like I used to run a location-based games business. We screwed that up pretty bad. Location has been really hard for everybody. How did you guys manage to – how did you manage to get here? Was there some like early brilliant growth hacking in place? God, I hate that word. But was there some of that or did you just happen to hit a perfect timing market or something? Talk about like talk about how you got this not to the point where you can raise fifteen north, but where you can raise the first million. How do people get started doing this, doing something complicated, multi sided marketplace, et cetera, et cetera? Um, yeah, it's gonna sound a little bit old fashioned. Um and actually, I'll just give you a quick uh, peek into my background. My background is we built social games. So the last uh, product I worked on, we built from zero to 30 million people were using it on a monthly basis. And that was entirely built on things like you were talking about, like growth hacks and tricks and things like that. And so when we built this company, we actually wanted to, to know those lessons but not necessarily utilize them um, to build something that uh, – that was going to grow in maybe a more organic and robust fashion. And so what, uh, there are two basic things um, that we do at Soch to think about growth, and neither really sounds like it's growth. Number one is um, we only scale things worth scaling. So what that means is we do a lot of unscalably cool things that may or may not be worth scaling. And uh, and when we build, you know, as building a locally based marketplace, we build for that city. We understand the personality of that city. We cater to that personality, to the habits, to the culture of that city when we're building just in one city. Um, and really, really built something that we thought spoke to people there. And a lot of what we did was dispensable, right? Was not actually that interesting or that wonderful. And some of what we did really, really hit in a big way. And then secondarily, we asked the question of okay, is this something we could scale? Instead of, as most smart people end up doing in this day and age, thinking about preliminarily weaving into uh, their ideas, well, does this scale? Is this worth it? Is this too expensive? Is it too slow? Like, are you sure we should do this? We don't worry about that. We do things that will blow people's minds and then figure out if it does indeed blow people's minds, how we could scale something like that. Um, So that's number one, and those things end up becoming a lot of the drivers of of, uh, our growth um, again, for every product, it's its own thing. The the tactics that work are pretty separate. However, if you basically had someone on your team or your whole team obsessing about how could we use this product and platform to blow people's minds, what would make them go, 
holy crap, show something to a friend or tell a friend about it or, or want to use it again. And then if they are doing that, in fact, how you can scale those things later, that I think is the right order of operations. The second thing is we obsess and we look at one number on the user side, which is just retention. How often and what percentage of our users are just coming back constantly. And uh, that's the only thing we look at because we're then not building on a leaky bucket. Um, so Snosh has been in our very first city was San Francisco, and we've been in that city for four years. And our retention of anyone who has ever signed up for Soch ever, the majority of them are active, many of them are active like really, really often, they have super deep sessions, they're constantly using the product. Four years later, I don't know how many startups I can think of that I've signed up for, and four years later, four years later I'm still using actively. Um, so. So we focus on retention really intensely and then blowing people's minds. And when you have people, a big user base, hanging around, sticking around, feeling good about your product, using it, and you do something to blow their minds, that gives you a lot of opportunities to then take your users and have them turn to their friend, their coworker, or whatever, and say, oh, my God, have you seen this? Like, look at this thing, or let me tell you about this social thing. So it's really, really all about how do you retain a user base, a passionate user base, and then blow their minds on a regular basis and they will end up doing all of the growth work for you. In fact, with social, it's very, very hard to find yourself in a loop where you can share something or post something or send a referral code. In fact, like most of those things don't exist. So um, it is very much organically driven. Uh, what kind of what kind of um, window shopping is there with social? So how many times do people open the app, look around? And just sort of want to stay updated on what's going on, just look at pretty pictures, think about the night they could have. I mean, that's not as good as them booking through you, of course, but as far as engagement, I imagine this is actually semi-prevalent and, and not bad at all for you guys. Yeah, I mean, there is there is definitely a component of that, and that, like you said, is a good thing because when someone opens up Soch and sees there's a bar uh, in New York that was doing – Girl Scout cookie and cocktail pairings. Actually, I don't know if you you guys have Girl Scout cookies in Canada, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. The Girl Scouts of America, I don't know why, but every year they sell cookies that are insanely popular. So this bar decided we were gonna they were going to do Girl Scout cookie and cocktail pairings. And so um, you would go in, order your favorite cookie, and then they would give you a plate of those and a cocktail that they meticulously paired with that. And so someone seeing that that thing is happening, but not necessarily able to go tonight or tomorrow or whatever, that's a great thing for us because that inspires them to say, oh, my God, like what a crazy cool thing that I, A, now know about and can tell people about, and, B, next time I'm looking for something to do, that might pull me back in to see, like, are there other things of that quality. So there is a, there is a bit of window shopping that happens, and that's okay for us. In fact, that ends up leading to people becoming buyers. Now, the people who actually transact and have these great mind-blowing offline experiences, those people are two and a half times more active than people who are – just looking for inspiration, but uh, but eventually we turn those inspired people into purchasers. So um, over time, it works. Uh, so what's what's the next? You guys have been at this for four years. You've been doing well. Incredible retention. Uh, how does the product evolve, and how does the company evolve, and how does the community evolve? Actually, right before we get into the future. Talk quickly to that. Is there much of a like active social community in the sense that they have? your users have the ability to communicate with each other inside the app and that sort of thing? Or is this mostly a linear journey through the app and then offline is where the community is built? 
Yeah, it's a little more discreet than um, mashing everyone up into um, like a chat room or something like that. What you can see is you can see when social members do something and like something in some amount of numbers or um, people express very specific um, insights about a place, you can see those things. But it's, it's you know, social is not a product that's built to introduce you to strangers necessarily. What, is, what it's there to do is to say, Every single person has, you know, something like two to five other people who they love spending time with, their family, their friends, the people they really love spending time with. And wouldn't it be cool if we could take you and the people you know and love and put you in new, interesting niche situations? Because a lot of times people fall into a rut and then they kind of have these repetitive experiences. Um, but if you can take people and put them in a pesto making class or a whiskey tasting class or, or you know, some other crazy experience, those types of things really open people's minds about, um, you know, new shared experiences together. You might meet like-minded people in the real world. So first and foremost, the purpose of the app is not necessarily to introduce you to new people. Uh, as a result, what follows from that is that you can still see when things are popular or trending and what people have to say about something, but it's not really the focus of the app. Now, we do things to help people understand um the product and the brand are reflected in the community. And so we actually in San Francisco have a secret bar that Social is open. We just straight up opened a bar and it's only available to Social members. And it's kind of fun for people to, and it's like kind of invite only. It's very hard to find. You have to be a member in the app and an active one and then you get invited. Um, and when you go to see a physical manifestation of what used to just be kind of a technological idea in your head, that's really fun to see the people who are there, who are other social members, to see our interpretation of our app in a physical sense. Um, that type of thing really builds long-term uh, opportunity for the brand. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Seriously, I'm coming to the social bar. I can't even get your app in Canada, <laughs> but next time I'm in America, I'm downloading the app. I'm becoming a member. I'm going to register for 19 things so I can become an elite member, and then I'm going to the social bar. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. But like you said, you know, the, the focus of the app is not necessarily um community in that you're networking with new people or meeting new people, but it is um it you know, there are things like tastemakers in our cities, um the, the the most popular DJs and chefs and people like that kind of pick their favorite spots in the city and you can kind of follow them. Um you can see what other members are saying and then there's that one physical manifestation, which I think is really neat and different, um, and speaks to the blending of online and offline that our company is all about. Uh you know, it's funny, when I talked to Mina for this podcast, standing in the same Vancouver alley that I'm standing and talking to you, she was really excited about it. I said, like, what's exciting about the future in mobile? And she talked about the integration of online and offline, just like you are. So I'm not surprised that she recommended you for this podcast because it seems like you guys have <laughs> similar trains of thought. Yeah, um, in fact, so what's she's, next? A, she's a user, so that's why uh, that's how we ended up connecting as as a, she was a user of the app. So, uh, what's what's next for you guys? What is when I do a call with you in a year to catch up? What's going to be different? What's you guys building out? Yeah, so you talked about the difficulty in building a two-sided marketplace, right? The chicken and egg problem. And uh, and so the way Soch solved that was by building a habit with uh, one side of that marketplace, which is demand or normal people looking for things to do. So we built a big, big uh, following and user base there. And that user base has then 
in turn drawn the other side of the marketplace to our product, which is supply or merchants who have great experiences to provide. And so we've actually built up lots of expertise with acquiring tons of users, retaining them, growing that user base, uh, penetrating markets deeply, and then it has only followed that our merchants are really excited and understand this technology platform and use it. And so one of the things that we're doing is really perfecting that playbook. Um, when it comes to locally-based marketplaces, it's all about building a playbook and then executing that playbook. So in a year's time, I would imagine if we talk, uh, social have perfected that playbook and taken it to 10, 20 cities, um, maybe even something in Canada. I hear Toronto, Vancouver are fantastic. So uh, we'll definitely be taking a hard look at those. But you really, it's a lot about scale now, and it's about taking both sides of those marketplaces, keeping them in balance, and spinning up new cities and uh, and reinventing that balance. So now it, it really accelerates. It took like some years to build the foundation, and uh, we're really in a phase now where we're taking such to more and more people. Um, so so that's I think really what we're all about at the moment. Um, as we do that, and you know this, uh, technology changes, eye beacons pop up, people are looking at their watch. I guess you know there's all sorts of different form factors and things to take advantage of, and so we're continuing to push on. How can you not only have people think, hey, I'm bored, let me push a button and do something fun. How can you even preempt the question of, hey, I'm bored, and say, hey, Mac, you and Rishi are both free at 7, and this place is doing a really cool Sardinian wine tasting. Just say yes. We'll book you both tickets. We'll send you a car 30 minutes ahead of time. We'll text Rishi the plans. Like, how can you even preempt uh, people having that question of, hey, what should we do? Um, it's another place that we're taking it. And with these new form factors, that might just be possible. You know, it's interesting. I am not uh I am not bullish on the Apple Watch. I don't get it. I'm not saying it won't work, but I, I personally totally don't get it at all. I do understand actually in the case of what you're doing, this idea of an entire experience being bundled into minimum impact in your life, how it could be brilliant actually. The watch might work really well for what you guys are doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned over time, because I was born and raised uh, in and around uh, Silicon Valley, and uh, one of the things I've learned over time is it's actually more productive, at least for me as someone who's like an active builder, to try to utilize and uh, take advantage of and learn and explore every new platform than to predict which ones will be successful. Um, and so... What we'll do is we'll watch how people use their watches. We'll do a little test here. We'll try to blow people's minds, like I was saying. And most of the time, totally not worth scaling because, you know what, the watch is a failure or this thing was a failure. And some of the time, those things catch, and then you put yourself in a really thoughtful, good position to double down on it. So I have no idea if this thing will take off. You know, like, I think, generally speaking, uh, generations after generations have looked at things and been like, ah, who the hell knows? That thing looks crazy. I don't know. It's too different. And so my 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 sort of attitude is, don't try to predict if it'll be uh, successful. Just imagine how you could blow people's minds with it. And if it happens to be successful, now you're ahead, and then you can double down. So that is a brilliant strategy if you have the resources to get on every wave, right? Not everybody You're has right. the ability to paddle in front of every wave. But if you put yourself, and it sounds like you have, if you put yourself in a position where that's an option, well, then that's absolutely fantastic, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a totally fair statement. Um, okay, listen, this has been 20 minutes. Fascinating. Seriously, I'm coming to the social bar. I'm going to email you about this afterwards. <laughs> uh, and uh, And maybe we'll get together next time I'm in San Francisco.
Thank you, Mac. I appreciate you taking the time, man. This is great. Um, happy to chat anytime. And uh, and definitely, you see a lot of these mobile things. Take a look at Soch, and, and let's do the opposite. I can ask you questions about how to make it better. <laughs> I do feedback. I'm good at that part. I love it. I'll, I'll be in touch. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, man. Have a good one. See you later.